Hey, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to let you know before this episode begins, um, while we're recording, we actually had our kids in the background. Sorry, we're both parents. And you might hear them in the background. Sorry about that. Kevin, say you're sorry. I'm not sorry. It's our babies. I, exactly. That's why it's I'm a, not sorry. It's our babies. Uh, that's why I'm not apologizing for my son. He's my son. And he's little. And he can't help it. And my dad will cry what he wants to. It's her party. But it might distract you a little bit, the listener. So for that, that part, we do we do say we're sorry for that. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Monster Men. Giving a face to a ghost bump in the neck. I'm Ben, and as always, I'm joined with Kevin. <sighs> say hi, Kevin. You sound so enthused that I'm here sitting next to you once again. Tell you what, if you want, I can make like a tree and leave. Careful, you know what? Those trees, they're dangerous. There's man-eating trees. There are. There are. Tell us about those man-eating trees, Kevin. Sure, why not? Today's monster is unique because it's a plant. Well, tree, to be more precise. It is the legendary man-eating tree of Madagascar and a similar tree in South America. Now, since its roots keep it in place, this overqualified flytrap won't chase after you. So I de- guess it doesn't want to move it, move it? No, it does not like to move it, move it. But it's from Madagascar, and I hear that they like to move it, move it. This one doesn't like to move it! In J.W. Buell's Sea and Land, 1887, the Yate Veo, or I See You, plant is described as being native to Africa and having stems that resemble many huge serpents in an angry discussion, occasionally darting from side to side as if striking at an imaginary foe while attempting to consume humans. The tree itself was described as being eight feet in height. Which is not that tall for a tree. And having an appearance of reminiscent of a pineapple tree with eight long pointed leaves that hung down from the top of the ground. The trunk of the tree was topped with a sort of receptacle that... Like your mom? Yes. Like my mom. That was contained with a thick liquid. Like your mom! It was said to have a support qualities that drug potential prey. And it was believed to be highly addictive. Not like your mom. Surrounding the receptacle were long, hairy tendrils with white, palpy resemblance, resembling tentacles. The tree possessed white and transparent leaves, which took look, which looked like quivering mouth parts of an insect. It's kind of weird. Yes. Yeah, so this, the, the earliest well-known report of a man-eating tree originated as a literary fabrication written by Edmund Spencer for the New York World. Spencer's article first appeared in the daily edition of uh, New York World on 26 April, 1874. And the references I found that they usually say the tree has a bad habit of snagging on local tribes. And now it's everyone's favorite time. It's story time. Kevin, tell us a story. Oh boy, story time. So, Spencer Edmund, October 27, 18. 74, the man-eating tree of Madagascar. South Australian Register retrieved 
2013. The Man-Eating Tree of Madagascar, at the request of Dr. R.G.J. of Philly, we reprint the following description, read by Kat. A recent soiree held at the Wulunga Institute of a singular tree, which is alleged to exist in it. On the island of Madagascar, the account is copied from the New York world and is said to have been originally published in Reef de Walther to magazine of Carthage, or uh, Carl to, and yeah, you know what, cannot pronounce that, not going to try. Together with Utopian, it by Dr. Emilius Rodlowski, to whom the letter of Carl Lico the discoverer from which the narrative is extracted was addressed. The, M the MKC IOS are a very primitive race, going entirely naked, having only faint vestiges of tribal relations, and no relation beyond that of the awful reverence by, by which they pay it to the sacred tree. They dwell entirely in caves hollowed out of the limestone rocks in their hills, and are one of the smallest races, though men seldom exceed 56 inches in height. At the bottom of a valley, now I had no barometer, but I should not think it, over 400 feet above the level of the sea, and near its eastern extremity, we came to a deep, tarn-like lake about a mile in diameter, the sluggish, oily waters of which overflowed into a neurotrous reedy canal that won't unwillingly into the recesses of a black forest composed of jungle below and palm above. A path diverging from its southern side struck boldly for the heart of the forbidding and seemingly impenetrable forest. Hendrik led the way along this path, I following closely and behind me more curious rabble of Makua's men, women, and children. Suddenly, all the natives begot uh, a little bit of a typo here in the original text. My my apologies, but they screamed "Tepe, Tepe," and Hendrik stopped short and said, "Look." The sluggish canal-like stream here wound slowly by, and a bare spot in its bend was a uh, most singular of trees. I called it the crinoida, because when its leaves are in action, it bears a striking resemblance to that well-known fossil, the crinoid lily stone, or St. Cuthbert's heads. It was now at rest, however, land I will try to describe it to you. If you can imagine a pineapple, eight feet high and thick. If you can imagine a pineapple, eight feet high and thick in proportion, resting upon its hue and denuded of leaves, you will have a good idea of the trunk of the tree, which, however, was not the color of an anana, but a dark, dingy brown, and apparently hard as iron. From the apex of this truncated cone, at least two feet in diameter, eight leaves hung sheer to the ground like doors swung back on their hinges. These leaves, which were joined at the top of the tree at regular intervals, were about 11 or 12 feet long and shaped very much like the leaves of an American agave or century plant. 
They were two feet through in their thickest point and three feet wide, tapering to a sharp point that looked like a cow's horn. Very convex on theater, but now under surface, and on the under, now upper surface, slightly concave. This concave face was thickly set with strong thorny hooks, like those upon the head of a teasel. These leaves hang fig, uh, hang fag. Thus, limp and lifeless, dead green in color, had in appearance the massive strength of oak fiber. The apex of the Kanawas, a round white concave figure like a smaller plate set within a larger one. This was not a flower, but a receptacle, and there exuded into it a clear, treacly liquid honey sweet and possessed of violent, intoxicating and soporific properties. From underneath the rim, so to speak, of the undermost plate, a series of long, hairy green tendrils stretched out in every direction towards the horizon. Those were seven or eight feet long and tapered from four inches to a half inch in diameter. Yet they stretched out stiffly as siren rods. Above these, from between the upper and uh, upper cup, six white, almost transparent palpi reared themselves towards the sky, twirling and fisting with a marvelous motion, yet constantly reaching upwards. Thin as reeds and frail as quills, apparently, they were yet five or six feet tall, and were so constantly and vigorously in motion with such... Uh, again, a typo. I can't really read that. But uh, we're constantly in motion. Uh, sinuous, silent throbbing against the air that they made me shudder in spite of myself with their suggestion of serpents flayed yet dancing on their tails. The description I am giving you now is partly made up from a subsequent careful inspection of the plant. My observations on this occasion were suddenly interrupted by the natives, who had been shrieking around the trees with their shrill voices and chanting what Hendrick told me were proprietary hymns to the great tree devil. With still wilder shrieks and chants, they now surrounded one of the women and urged her with the points of then javelins and with still wilder shrieks and chants, they now surrounded one of the women and urged her with the points of the then javelins, javelins, until slowly and with despairing face, she climbed up the italic of the tree and stood on the summit of the cone, the palpi whirling around her. Sick, 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 drink, 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 cried the men. Stooping, she drank up the viscid liquid in the cup. Rising instantly again, with a wild frenzy in her face and convolusive cords in her limbs, but she did not jump down as though she seemed to intend to do. Oh no, the atrocious cannibal tree that had been of inert and dead came to sudden savage life. The slender, delicate palpi, with the fury of starved servants, quivered a moment over her head, then as if instinct with demonic intelligence fastened upon her in sun coils round and round her neck and arms. Then, 
while her awful screams and yet more awful laughter rose wildly to be instantly trampled down again into gurgling moan. Then tendril one after another like great golden serpents, serpents with brutal energy and infernal rapidity rose, retracted themselves, and wrapped her about in fold after fold. Over-tightening with cruel swiftness and savage tenacity of anacondas fastening upon their prey. It was the barbarity of the lacoon without its beauty. This strange, horrible murder. And now the great leaves rose slowly and stiffly like the arms of a derrick, erected themselves in the air, approached one another, And my apologies to my listeners. The next part appears to be somewhat redacted, or rather the original text was um, the original text appeared to be corrupted. So let's see. Approach one another and my apologies to the to our listeners, but the original text appears to be somewhat corrupted. Only a few words come through here, but dead, blunt force, and purpose are the only words that I see there. A moment more lull while I could see the base of those great levers pressing more tightly towards each other from their interstices. There trickled down the stalk of the tree, great screams of the viscid honey-like fluid, mingled horribly with the blood and oozing viscera of the victim. At sight of this, the savage hordes around me, yelling madly, bounded forward, crowded to the tree, clapped it with the cops' leaves, hands, and tongues. Each one obtained enough of the liquid to send him mad and frickstick. A grotesque and indescribably hideous orgy from which even while its convulsive madness was turning rapidly into delirium and insensibility, Hendrik dragged me hurriedly away into the recesses of the forest, hiding me from the dangerous brutes. May I never see sun aside again. In the course of my stay of two days in the valley, I saw other specimens of the, crin, uh, the Crinoda de Gina, but none so large as this, which the Mokoros worshipped, and I discovered that they are unquestionably carnivorous in the same sense that Dione Drosaria insectivorous. Uh, the Venus flytrap. The retracted leaves of the great tree kept their upright position during ten days. Then, when I came one morning, they were open again, the tendrils outstretched, the palpi floating, and nothing but a white skull at the root of the tree to remind me of the sacrifice that had taken place there. I climbed into a neighboring tree and saw that all trace of the victim had disappeared, 
and the cup was again supplied with the viscid fluid. The indescribable rapidity and energy of its movements may be inferred from the fact that I saw smaller ones seize, capture, and destroy an active uh, lemur. An active little lemur, which, dropping by accident upon it while watching and grinning at me, in vain endeavored to escape from the fatal toils. With Hendrick's assistance, and the consent of the some uh, some head of the head men of Macado, uh, uh, however, did not stay to witness the act of sacrilege. I cut down one of the minor trees and dissected it carefully. Tide, however, is waiting for me, and I must defer to my next. Though details of this are more interesting examination. Now, that appeared to have been the account of one man who was traveling with a guide, um, Hendrick. Uh, so then the rest of this goes. Uh, we are not aware that the existence of this remarkable tree has been confirmed. Carnivorous plants and their hyota formed the subject of an address from Dr. Hooker at the late meeting of the British Association at Belfast. But although the doctor described various species of the Dionia, uh, Dionia, singularly enough, he made no reference to Mr. Litch's discovery. Around me of the address, uh, looks like it's a corrupted part of this again, uh, given in our special correspondence letter. On Monday morning, October 26th, two Bushmen, partly intoxicated, were wrangling in uh, Grenfellreet when one of them, being provoked by the threatening um, attitude. attitude of the other, knocked his opponent down against the curbing, breaking his arm above the elbow. Moku, the injured man was conveyed to the city hospital and the other fellow who's uh altercation mm, no ads corrupted walked away so so that story was like i said i do apologize about the several points of corrupted text especially the one part of the story where it gets really gory that was disappointing but unfortunately with uh, a lot of our material we can't always find the perfect text and uh, sometimes some of the texts that we find are so old that the data files have been corrupted so ben what did you think about that story i wonder if you could eat a man-eating tree and if it'd be considered cannibalism oh Oh, that's a good point. I mean, if the tree is sitting there feasting on your friends or feasting on people that you hate. Well, well think about it this way. A fig tree is pretty much uh, a, a insect-eating tree that eats a wasp. And it creates, with the dissection of the wasp, a fruit that really tastes good. Well, that doesn't make you so a does cannibal. That, does that make you, but if you eat a fig, does that, and you're a vegetarian, does that break your rules? Ooh, I mean, that that might be a rule breaker. Same rules, same thing, except with cannibalism. And again, 
Again, we go back to cannibalism. I will eat someone someday. Life goals. You are determined. Determined to eat a motherfucker. Yes. Oh my god. I am staying far, far away from you. I'm so upset that I brought my son here today. Now that I really think about it, I'm... You need to make sure he gets oh, out of your house alive. Speaking of which, don't ever read The Road if you have an infant child. Why? There's one scene where they eat a baby. Oh! Yeah. Buddy. So FYI, don't ever... If you have children that are infants or baby, baby-like, don't read The Road. Read no. before or after the babies. Noted. So... When's the first time you ever heard of a man-eating tree? Now, man-eating tree, you know what? I have not seen the man-eating tree in pop culture. However, me being the Harry Potter nerd that I am, I'm going to bring up the Whomping Willow. The Whomping Willow. Great band name, by the way. (laughs) The Whomping Willow is a tree in the Harry Potter series located on the grounds of Hogwarts, and its apparent whole objective in life is to beat the living crap out of anything that comes within within reach of it. Now, the Whomping Willow doesn't eat its prey, though. It seems that its primary goal in life is to guard something. That tree is a slacker. (laughs) It only half-assed murder. Yeah, you know, yeah, it didn't really kill anybody in the Harry Potter Half series. ass. So, all right, Ben, where have you seen this in popular culture, or where have you found this in popular culture? Well, I've seen it in such games as Final Fantasy. They've had man-eating trees in that. They're usually fun to beat. Uh, they're also in the fantasy adventure novel, The Life of Pi, which, by the way, to everyone's disappointment, there was no pie. Oh my gosh. And you know what? And I do have to take it back. I do remember seeing The Life of Pi. Truly, truly remarkable movie. And yes, there is a scene in The Life of Pi where uh, the the main character happens upon an island that is, in fact, the entire island. One gigantic person or creature-eating plant. Frankly... I'm just wondering, where was the pie? Mm. Also, and there's a dystopian novel series called The Shades of Grey, Volume 1, Roads to High Saffron. In the first book, there's a carnivorous tree. Never read the book, it just made the reference. Also, in Star Trek, there's this one novel they made called The Plant Planet of Judgment, and by Joe Halderman. Now, the floor on this planet... Includes a carnivorous plant capable of engulfing and digesting a human person. After a crewman is attacked, the rest of the team tries to cut the plant down. But it's too late. The description of the aftermath reads, Havlin's body looked like a botched autopsy. Ooh, dang. That's miserable. That would be a horrible way to go. Like, sounds like a flytrap style. Like, sounds I don't... Like, a, like a sarlacc pit. Yeah, it sounds a lot like a Sarlacc pit. And there's another thing. There you go. Well, no. Sound no, tree. No. The Sarlacc, the Sarlacc is definitely a creature. Um, it looks like a giant vagina in the sand. It does. It looks like a huge, massive pussy. With teeth and tentacles, which is normal, right? 
Yes, that is normal. And that's what they come with, those, right? Yes, they do. Don't nobody tell him. Well, that concludes this episode of Monster Myth. If you have any suggestions of future monster, please let us know. Just don't let it be generic. I want to hear anyone anything about werewolves or vampires or Frankenstein. Frankenstein was not even a monster. He was the guy who created one. You failures. <laughs> to, to be honest, um, if we do have some like that, if you don't, don't let us discourage you. If you do know of a specific type of vampire or a specific lore based on a vampiric-like creature, then by all means, send us it. Just, you know, don't say, Oh, don't do Dracula! No, we won't. And if you have anything you want to talk about or you have suggestions for us, you can let us know on on Twitter or email. What's our Twitter email? Our Twitter is at MonsterMythPod. And you can reach us by email at MonsterMyth at Outlook.com. Also, if you like the show, please leave a review on Stitcher or iTunes. And we leave you with a question. Would a man-eating tree in your backyard deter robbers? <laughs>